Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show this week. I am so excited to have my guest on today because it's a topic I am so confused about, but the words keep popping up, and I Google, 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 I've hit every search engine, and there's not enough information on this, but it is transforming the way businesses are doing businesses, doing businesses. That's really good. Okay, I'm having one of those days today. All right, anyway, it's transforming the way people are doing business, sort of like how podcasts have been transforming radio, and The world's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. The whole idea of demographics, which is how we relate to each other, how we define each other, has changed dramatically over the last bunch of years. Just think about how there's no more just he, she in the world, how gender is becoming way more fluid. There's a lot of other aspects that are coming way more fluid. And because of that, I think we need to talk about how we think about doing business in the world today. So my guest today is Ashlyn Silva. She comes to us through my dear friend, Janet Shine, who has been on this show. And she's got the most interesting background. It's actually Dr. Ashlyn Silva. She has a doctorate in um, Holocaust and Genocide Studies, but we're not really going to be talking about that, but we're talking about something called Culture Graphics. So, Ashlyn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I am beyond excited to have you here because the first time I heard about Culture Graphics was probably four, six months ago, maybe. Gosh, back in September or October, time is flying, and I didn't really understand it. So, Janet's like, talk to Ashlyn. (laughs) And (laughs) even talking to you, I'm still confused by (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> so explain well, what culture graphics is and why we need to be thinking about this. So culture graphics, first we have to understand demographics and why it's seen as antiquated. So basically what you were just saying, there's now gender fluidity instead of male or female. It's no longer broken up on our age, income, or location. Culture graphics is actually a millennial term um, when we are more infatuated, I would say, or interested in learning about another culture over our own. And we're utilizing that to, for, con- I would say, convenience-based consumerism, because as most people know, millennium, millennials want what they want and they want it quickly. Hence, Uber Eats, Uber, all those types of wonderful things that I enjoy. <laughs> but so it's basically forgetting about the old demographic system that we had set up that used to be what markers, vendors, buyers relied on. Now we have to rely more on social media and a, and a platform that millennials have created but might not be aware that they've created just yet. Okay. So I hear what you're saying, but it's still... <laughs> It's still not registering. And here, here's, I guess, why a little bit about why it's not registering for me. You talk about millennials. Now, I'm going to be 57, so obviously not a millennial. I am a baby boomer. I'm right at the edge of it. In the business that I deal with a lot, where I'm coaching and helping people grow their businesses, most of those people are not millennials. 
they're of an older age. So, and, and their target markets are not necessarily the millennial age group either. So how do we bridge all of that? Does it matter or is this only mattering when you're speaking to millennials? Well, it does not only matter when you're speaking to millennials, and that's sort of the problem with it, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But I think I can answer oh, yeah. the question with a great example of Janet, our mutual friend. Um, so if you were to look at her characteristically or persona-wise, online we like to say your persona, so her personal platform, if you were to look at that in the age of demographic, she would be identified as middle-aged, female, Caucasian, and that's it. You know, that, that would be her, her makeup. And that right. kind of falls short now because now we're aware, oh, she likes nerdy stuff. She's into Wonder Woman. She wears Converse, and she's kind of geeky. So we kind of market at her in that direction as opposed to just her demographic, which is something that used to happen throughout history. Okay. Does that make sense? It, it does. You know, I, I've known for years that she's a major Star Wars geek like I am, and I've never yeah. really been the typical female I've always mm-hmm. been in tech fields and played ball and, you know, I was a sports information director in college, but I never thought of it as culture graphics. True. Well, because at that age, you likely weren't thinking of marketing either. At least I hope not. No. Well, <laughs> yeah, I was always kind of into business because my dad has his own business. But, oh, well, there you go. Yeah, but not necessarily thinking of marketing. Like, they would market to men or to women. Yes. Now there's a much wider, quote, demographic, even though I don't like using that word anymore because it's the culture graphic. <laughs> okay, so give me I an example. Is it culture that's throwing you off, like the word culture in culture graphic? Because I know that can be sometimes a negative, like, and well, like, yeah, I, I think that's, from it. I, yeah. I think that's definitely part of it because, you know, when I think of culture graphics and the little bit that I've been able to read about it and some of the things you talked to me about it, the, one of the things that starts popping up into my mind is, this whole thing that's become very rampant, the idea of cultural appropriation, where Mm -hmm. if you fall in love with, say, the Japanese culture and you start wearing kimonos or use the phrase arigato or things like Mm -hmm. that, somebody may say, well, you can't do that, you're not Japanese. But yet culture graphics seems to be blurring those lines and I may be completely wrong about that which is why you're on my show <laughs> no actually I agree with what you say I agree that it is blurring those lines I think the beautiful thing and the scary thing of social media is that everything can be taken a bit too far and out of context so I think okay. when you hear cultural appropriation it automatically is oh no oh no which it is but culture graphics is more of an admiration and appreciation for other cultures um which I'm sure would translate, like I remember I was in Epcot with my boyfriend recently and he loves um, anime. We went to Japan and he was speaking to them in Japanese and I was complimenting him so much and he's like, no, no, like it's really not good. I feel bad about it. So just like you were saying, and I, and I hated that, you know, I, I wish he didn't feel that way and I wish other, like, other people didn't feel that way either. But the culture graphic is more oriented towards that appreciation than that kind of dressing up as something for Halloween, if you will. So it's respecting... The culture and understanding? Yeah, I mean, I would say the best, trying to understand the best that they can. Okay. So give me an example of how somebody may market to somebody using this. I would say, so for me, instead of looking at me as a 
young white female, I would think people would look at me as a nerd doctor, so into education, into history. Um, everywhere you look on my sites, it says red wine <laughs> lover or enthusiast, baby Yoda. So I would assume that a marketer would look at those things and decide to use some of those things in some of their social media advertisements to attract me towards what they are selling or their company as a whole. It's all about social media now, and Culture Graphic is tied very tightly into social media because I believe that it was created because of social media. It wouldn't have existed without it. Okay, that that's starting to make way more sense to me now. So if I yes. were to get rid of that word culture, like you said, yes. is tripping me up, and think of it more like we're marketing towards people's interests versus yes. or personas. Yes, their person. Okay, so we're trying to target their avatar, who mm-hmm. they're hanging out with, what they're doing, where they're going to eat, what mm-hmm. things excite them, what books they're reading, that kind of stuff, that, which makes up have the to culture. Be aware of the other companies that are doing the same thing. Okay. Say that one more time. So it is very competitive because it's all on social media. Okay. So we're seeing this every second. It can come up every minute. We have, you know, someone can advertise a headphones for Star Wars fans, and a minute later... Someone can advertise headphones for Star Trek fans. Like it can go either way. So it's it's also about being aware of the other marketers who are doing the same thing. So we're using social media now. The the companies that are being mm-hmm. very successful at marketing yes. via social channels versus the traditional channels of generic big bucket lists of mm-hmm. big buckets of you know woman uh, tech whatever. You're using social media to shape and very quickly target. It's like targeted Facebook ads. Yes. Okay. So how does somebody begin to find out this information? I mean, you can't just just sit there on Facebook, right, or social media and spend weeks and months going, I'm going to look at, I'm going to friend everybody. That just doesn't seem no, reasonable. No, no, no. <laughs> I would say if you're a marketer, you would start with the big companies that sell things that you sell. So, like, I like to use an example. If you're doing a restaurant, you would look at someone like Denny's because they use different marketing standpoints for every different social media app that's out there. So on Twitter, they use humor, and they're very witty and funny, and they use gifts and things like that. On Facebook, they're very traditional and normal advertising. So I think advertisers, marketers can learn from other companies who are succeeding because I oftentimes say if you don't keep up or learn or understand the culture graphics, you're going to be left behind. And that's not good for anyone. <laughs> no, no. It's it, Looking at, say, the Budweiser Super Bowl commercials where yeah. they always had the Clydesdales and then the dogs, and it really had nothing to do with beer no but i'm guessing that they were using this whole culture graphic of they're trying to tug at the heartstrings and get people to realize that if you drink budweiser beer you know we care yeah exactly it's just like when you go on facebook and you pass the cute puppy videos or the military mom or dad coming home and surprising the kid like the internet and everybody out there marketers advertisers know what tugs at the heartstrings (laughs) okay so if you're targeting millennials, are you tugging at heartstrings or are you not? No, I think you're targeting convenience okay. because millennials have ushered in this delightful, for me at least, era of just, I call it convenience-based consumerism. 
because, you know, they're not calling a taxi anymore. The Uber's been outside for five minutes. They're not getting a delivery pizza. They're getting delivery wings because they want wings that night, and they're going to get what they want easily and quickly, and they're going to pay whoever does that. (laughs) I I was interviewing somebody for a magazine article I'm writing for Podcast Magazine for next month, uh, August Bradley. He has a radio uh, podcast called Mind and Machine. And we were talking about how quickly technology has changed in the last few years. He's also known as sort of a theorist and a futurist. And he goes, you know, we can't project out what's even going to happen two to three years from now. It's becoming harder and harder to foresee the next incarnation of tech and how it's going to change the world. I, I, I'm getting that the whole idea of culture graphics, it's sort of hard to grab, Ashlyn, because mm-hmm. millennials are so quickly changing, or are they not? They are quickly changing in terms of what their platform is, you know? Like, so their platform is Twitter and Facebook, whereas, you know, boomers didn't have that. Baby boomers did not have that. And I wish they did, because that would go on to my next point, uh, which is millennials have a really awesome advantage here where they can teach everyone this way. They can teach all age groups and, quote, demographics, end quote. <laughs> I don't like that word anymore, but I still have to use it. Uh, so, <laughs> but yet, when uh, you know, I look at the platforms, they're limiting. They're limiting. Okay, but when we look at the platforms, I'm being told that anybody under the age of 50 is no mm-hmm. longer on Facebook. It's yeah. TikTok. It's Snapchat. It's this and that. And then you know, six months later, no, it's not that platform anymore, which makes it so difficult. If you're trying to market for your business, whether you're marketing to a 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80-year-old, I mean, how do you even begin to keep up with this whole concept? Trained adaptability is the only thing I would say. (laughs) I think it's different for youth because we were raised with this in our hands, so we have more, it's less foreign to us. We're able to pick something up and pick it up quickly. Um, Where we're falling right now is we have this knowledge and we're not sharing this knowledge with our peers or our, our friends, you know, we, our friends our age, but like other friends, because I have older friends. So we need to be able to share that knowledge. So because there's money in some of these people's hands, but they're not able to understand some of these platforms. So therefore they can't spend their money. So marketers are missing out. <laughs> it's a full circle where everyone has to be working for it to work, if that makes sense. Is there any way to continue to market without using all of the social platforms to do it, or do you think that that's going to die out very quickly? I believe it already is dying out, unfortunately. Uh, I, I've seen it uh, with some of my some of my clientele. It's, you have to be on social media if you're not keeping up with what uh, Janet likes to coin the digital normal now, which was shaped by culture graphics. Uh, you're going to fall behind uh, in your business. So being one with the social media is definitely important at the, in this day and age and at this time for marketing. Well, how is marketing via social media different from the traditional forms of marketing? Well, see, that's a really good question because when I came into the marketing world, it was all about social media. So I don't really have that pre-conception of what it was like before that because that's my entire generation. So I'm, that seems almost foreign to me. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Yeah. So absolutely. back in the days of, did you ever see the TV series Mad Men? Yeah. Okay. It's a fascinating commentary, brilliantly done, of the way advertising used to be. Yeah. It actually uses a bunch of these culture graphics ideas that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd advertise a car, and they still do today. They're not advertising a car as it's functional, right? It, it's trying to appeal, yeah. right? So, yeah. <laughs> but it tended to be sticky. Like, they wouldn't just do one ad for something. That ad may appear multiple times in multiple different magazines or newspapers or on TV, on different stations, on different channels, trying to find which the right ones are. With ads on social media, I feel like it's one and done. Yep. Which it does make the job a little quicker. All right, but that topples the whole idea of, um, you know, you need to put something in front of somebody seven times before they really get it. Yeah. yeah. So are you saying uh, that to advertise nowadays, it's just keep throwing stuff at the wall? And I know that's uh, not what no. you're saying, but that's I, what I'm hearing. Yeah, no, I think it's more about uh, keeping your eye on the buyers and what the buyer trends are. So therefore, like educating yourself on social media and trends on social media, because an advertiser or a marketer could just go on Twitter and look at the top trending hashtags. And let's just say, for an example, and for fun, this quick is trending. They're going to advertise something with pancakes or something along that, that line, because that's the line that's being drawn. Okay. So social right. media is directing these trends and these, these trends that advertisers are therefore picking up on and promoting. Okay, so who is creating these trends? The people. Well, the millennials, at least, which is something I have a problem with. But at least the active members of social media are creating these trends by talking about them openly on the platform. All right. Through hashtags, through collectives. Can something be artificially created? I don't know about that. Huh. That's a really good question. Because you hear all the time, I'm I'm in tech, right? I'm a geek. I freely admit it. Hackers prevail. And uh, a good friend, Richard Tubb, who's been on the show, says we need to stop thinking of hackers as hackers and just call them what they are, criminals. Right, but we've all heard about the Russians getting involved on social media and creating these viral things and putting stuff out there to artificially change the way we think. Yes. So somebody's out there creating these. How do we know that they're real? I mean, I'm sure advertisers are creating artificial hashtags and getting buying people to say start making this hashtag come out. So how do you know if it's really real or if it's um, grassroots or if it's artificially generated to sell something? For me, that's based on the product. So clearly, like, even if it's trending on the Internet, I'm not going to go buy something that I've never actually seen or seen something like. That's just, for me, my own common sense. But also, I would hope that companies would have some sort of cybersecurity or, you know, data security in line with their own advertising on the Internet because it's really important these days. 
unfortunately, that's just the dark side of the internet that's always there, and you either use the internet or you don't, and lately everyone's finding that using it is pretty helpful for a lot of circumstances, but with all the good comes bad, so... Okay, so even with this idea of culture graphics that we're talking about, you're not just going to say, I saw something once and therefore I'm going to do something with it. There has to be some conversations that have been going on so that you can get information about it. Like Uber yeah. didn't just take off. It took no, a while. No, it did. But once Uber took off, so did Lyft and a bunch of others. So we, that goes back to our earlier conversation where the most important part of a marketer's job besides watching the culture graphic of the millennials is to also watch what other country, uh, other companies are doing. Okay. All right, expand on that a little bit. So be, basically, I'm trying to think. Cause I, social media comes as like a second language until you actually are asked to talk about it. Which when you're <laughs> doing it, it's very different than when you're talking about it. <laughs> Um, but so at least for me, but I might even be a little old for that question, but I know that if I see, give me a random merchandising thing like face wash. Okay. Okay. On the internet. I feel like most people already have their face wash routine down, you know, not many people are going to switch, but if I see other people commenting great things on it, I might consider it. And that's the beauty of social media is that if a, if a company has enough of a following, they can post something with their following and their followers, if they like it enough, nobody can keep their mouth shut if they like or hate something, especially on the Internet. <laughs> so you're always able to find and pick and grab at if this will work for you. And that's easier than walking into a store, having a salesman tell you it'll work for you, and then at least when I was a kid going back home and trying to look up what you could on the Internet. <laughs> now well, it's just right there for you. Well, it's funny you picked face wash because I'm looking for a new face cream. And I haven't been driving, so it's been difficult to go to a store and, and try different ones. So I've been trying to do research on the Internet and mm -hmm. looking at comments that have people made. And it's, it's like I feel like I go down this rabbit hole because depending on which site you're on will lead you to one product and depending on your search question, will lead you down another one. So how do you determine what's good and right for you using this concept of culture graphics? I think that all depends on the person and their ability to wade through negative comments on the Internet, which is a <laughs> rabbit hole, I agree. Uh, I think it also depends on you know which site they choose because some websites are way better at filtering out some of the trashier comments and concerns. Um, so I think, yeah, that really all depends on who you are as a person. Which is fascinating because it's really traditional marketing, but it's mm -hmm. just faster. Yeah. And that, hits, that, that makes millennials so happy because they are born of this convenience-based consumerism where everything has to come quickly. So they're able to find what they want and know it's what they want very quickly. Unless you get lost down the rabbit hole of research, which yeah. it sounds so some like. Some of them like mm -hmm. to. <laughs> really? It's very bizarre. Oh, yeah. Some people, I think they're called comment trolls, but they love to just like go and read the comments. Like I've seen gifts that say, like, I'm just here for the comments. <laughs> I don't get it personally, but it's a thing. 
Oh gosh, I don't I don't get either. I've gone down some of those rabbit troll trails of reading comments to understand something about a product and I'm like this person hasn't even looked at the product. They just want to comment here. <laughs> and we're getting ready to go into national news. So uh, a question I'd like everybody to think about. I know this is kind of a different topic for us here on the show today, this idea of culture graphics with Ashlyn Silva. And, and I'm still a little bit confused by it, but what I'd like you to think about is how are you marketing and who are you marketing to? Are you marketing to somebody just because they're a man or a woman, because they're white or Hispanic or Oriental or whatever it may be? Or are you marketing to who they aspire to be and who they hang out with? And we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. If you missed the first half of the show, please grab it on podcast, wherever your favorite podcast platform is, whether it's a podcast on the iPhone, whether it's Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Pocket Casts, which we just recently were accepted onto Pocket Casts, or you know, you can go to my website, laurastewart.com, and listen to any of the shows there. Um, we're proud to have ranked number 120. Excuse me, 120th in the United States for podcasts under entrepreneurships the other week, and that's thanks to you, all of my my faithful listeners, both on the radio show and on the podcast. And if you are listening to this on the podcast, I would love it if you're subscribing to the show and if you would rate and review the show and share it. Please share it with your friends and family, as we are talking about on the show with Ashlyn Silva talking about culture graphics and social selling. If you share my show, it's going to help somebody else. If you love it that much, I would love it if you would do that. And then let me know you do that. Tag me in your post because I love to have the conversation. So, Ashlyn, during the commercial break, national news break, we were talking about how difficult this concept is still a bit for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I use the example of the recent Oscars. And in the, during the Oscars, the best picture winner ended up being the movie Parasite, which I have not seen yet because looking at the trailers, it doesn't seem like a movie I'd be interested in. It is subtitled. It's not in English. It's a Korean movie. It crosses boundaries in terms of a number of the, the concepts in the movie, but I couldn't even imagine 10 years ago that a movie like Parasite would ever win Best Picture in the U.S. Is that an example of how culture graphics and understanding how people are kind of defining themselves makes a movie like this possible? I believe that culture graphics is in part responsible because you have to look at things like Netflix, for example. We have a lot of people in the United States who love Japanese culture, anime, things like that. And in recent years, the number of foreign animation went up on Netflix astronomically. There's a whole section devoted to it now, which there did not used to be. Uh, so the the aspect of culture graphics where we see people tending to be more interested in cultures other than their own, I think definitely shines in the parasite example. So because of what was happening on social media with, Mm -hmm. and let's consider Netflix a form of social media, right? Because what you see on it is based on algorithms saying, oh, you're watching anime, I'm going to show you more anime. Oh, wait, we're seeing way more people 
watching anime, we need to put more content up there because of it. Yeah. Okay. And when films take off on those platforms, like uh, the Sandra Bullock bird box where she had her eyes blindfolded, there was memes of that all over for over a year. Everybody knew what it was, and it was a Netflix film. And Netflix didn't create the meme. The audience did because they found it relatable and funny, and they were able to put a joke on it. And, and the same sort of thing happened with Parasite. So I think it's really incredible when you look at it that way. Can it be used against you, those kind of things? Oh, I'm sure it could, but, I mean, it's all up to you as the person. I mean, it depends on who it is. <laughs> you as the marketer to not let that happen and to be conscious of your decisions online. Because it's just like real life, the Internet, except everything you say stays forever. You and ever and ever, yeah. What you do. <laughs> We've definitely seen that. So be all educated right. and careful. <laughs> <laughs> so for my listeners who may not be as comfortable social selling, or maybe they've, they've tried to. They've tried to create some memes. They've tried to get their potential buyers to take something that they've done and, and create a virality around what they're doing, and they're, they're failing. Yeah. What are some things that they need to begin thinking about or questions they need to be asking themselves to step into this more successfully than failing at it? I would say how seriously devoted are they and are they willing to learn new skills would be the first step because there are tons of free videos on social selling on YouTube. LinkedIn has a bunch. There are so many classes online that are available and hopefully there's other people like me who want to actually make a change and start classes and things like that for anybody not in the millennial age group that does not understand these trends because it is difficult if you're not raised with that technology. So, but there are options out there to learn online, uh, if, which also fits our convenience-based consumer model. Uh, you can go online and learn very quickly. Uh, but also there's people out there who are trying to make a difference and they realize that there is a generational gap that is causing problems and are hoping to fix it. So, I, I think of the generational gap and this aha just came to me. Now, hopefully <laughs> this will make sense. Okay. Bear with me, Ashlyn. I believe All right. in you. Okay, thanks. So this whole idea of the cultural gap, you know I struggle because there are a lot of businesses out there that aren't necessarily targeting millennials as their client base. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking that even if you're not targeting millennials as your client base, using them to help propel your own brand to put it in front of, say, your actual client base. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I I don't see why not. Because if stuff begins becoming viral for whatever reason, because they're mm -hmm. connecting to it, then it's it's like the best kind of free advertising ever. Yeah, absolutely. Like we've seen with Parasite, um, where it, it's everywhere, where uh, a TV show gets promoted or a kind of a beverage or a, a clothing item or a book even. There are several books that have come out there that I never would have ever thought about, but all of a sudden it started hitting my feed somehow because somebody I know picked up on something that somebody else had done. Yeah. I call those the Game of Thrones and Baby Yoda. 
type of online material that just blow up and no one understands how it happened. Yeah, I don't understand how Baby Yoda became so big. I think Disney totally manipulated it, but I do love Baby Yoda, and I love oh, The Mandalorian. Awesome, huh? I am totally hooked on The Mandalorian. And Janet, you better have um, watched it so far. That's my oh, little shout-out to Janet. She has? she has? Yay! Oh, yeah. I told her, I'm paying for Disney. you got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're looking at a Baby Yoda, but how does that translate into dollars in your pocket? Well, I think for that, that's aesthetic. That's seeing us all be obsessed with the cute gifts and the cute kitten videos and all the, the puppies that we were talking about earlier online. I think that's, again, watching the trends of social media and bam, Disney did it again. So by all the memes about Baby Yoda, everybody bought Disney Plus so that they could yeah. see The Mandalorian. It was perfect timing. <laughs> Which is what marketing is all about, right? Making yeah, your marketing yeah. seem like perfect timing. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're saying by understanding social selling, understanding the hashtags that are trending, if you are nimble enough, you can then piggyback off of whatever that trending is. If anime is trending, maybe doing a commercial around anime. If people are complaining about you can't recline your airplane seat, the huge battle that's going on right now with Delta, then that thing that keeps crossing my feed now where it's sort of like a foot hanger that attaches yeah. to the seat behind you that allows you to be more comfortable, no matter what position you're in, you want to market something like that. Mm-hmm. Is, is that like a way of beginning to link social selling to your products, looking at those hashtags and the trends? Definitely. Okay. You were saying before the piggybacking off of other ideas. I I don't like the term piggybacking. I think it's kind of negative, but I think it's the only one we have right now. So, I, I, you know, the Internet's a place where you can build off of other people and you can learn from other people. So if I have an exponential following and I have a friend who doesn't and I retweet them, they're going to gain a few followers you know, from my page. So it's just, it's this, it is a game of cat and mouse where we give and we take and, and eventually it either pays off or it doesn't. So. Okay, so what's a good place for somebody to start who's never begun even thinking about doing social selling? They're perhaps just doing more traditional ways of um, in-person networking or maybe they are... Um, doing TV advertising or radio advertising or podcast or doing a show on a podcast kind of thing. What's a good way to begin? I would definitely, I'm going to revert to what I said to a little bit earlier. Uh, There's so much free information out there if you're willing to look for it. If you just research social selling, you will find platforms, PowerPoints, videos, infographics, you'll find everything that you could need on that if you're willing to learn it. But do you need graphics experience? Do you, you know, or can you just start writing some stuff and putting them out there and a picture of your product? That's kind of where I'm I'm going with it. At least least on Twitter for me, the caption is what sells. You have to be witty and quick and smart, but not too smart on Twitter. To get your message across. So on that platform specifically, I'm looking at what you're writing because that's how I'm buying. And if it's on Instagram, that's a platform all about pictures. So if you're selling, I'm going to look at your picture, not what you're writing, if that makes sense. 
so it really doesn't matter what people are writing. The first thing that grabs them on Instagram is a picture. Yes, but then on Twitter, it's the opposite. At least I believe it's the opposite. Because most tweets, you don't see the picture across your phone or whatever until, like, you have to kind of look for it. Yeah. Okay. And and what about on LinkedIn or... Separate things. LinkedIn is actually more popular for videos, believe it or not. They have a less limited video time cap. Uh, Like, some platforms you can only play, like, a minute or two minutes of video. LinkedIn doesn't have a limit, I don't believe. I think it's, like, 10, 15 minutes, so you can... You could air a bit of this on there on a video format. You could do whatever you wanted. Um, so that's a bigger platform for them. Also, articles, uh, submitting articles or blog posts is very big on LinkedIn. So I would say written word and video for them. All right. Well, that's a question I've wanted to ask somebody for a while. You know, I tend to do longer videos and things like that, but people say you can only do a couple of minutes because nobody's going to pay attention. What do you say yeah, to that? I, I, I agree with that to an extent. It really depends on what the context is of what you're promoting. If it, if it fits into the categories that you and I have discussed, it, it could be trending, people are talking about it, or it fits in the niche of what's happening at that time, then, yeah, someone, people are going to watch it. You know? But if it doesn't, people might not get past the first two minutes. Okay. So it's all about the convenience factor. You know? So you have so to make it easy. more professional so you'll have more professional audience who would be willing to take that time. All right, so you need to target your platform based Mm -hmm. on what your audience is doing, playing with, believing in versus just, oh, they're a 20-year-old or a 50-year-old, they're in college, they're not in college, they, they drink a lot of wine, those kind of things. You need to take all of the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And that's what culture graphics is. Yeah, and it's but it, but it's so multifaceted because it's also the millennials that created this online kind of extravaganza, if you will, is also culture graphics. So it's it's a big connected world where it's uh, all part of the culture graphics. It's all and connected. you need to make it easy and convenient yes. for them to do business with you. Yes, and that's what we're seeing with a lot of these companies that are popping up, like Uber Eats and things like that. I bought I bought a, a necklace the other day that's supposed to help with um, EMFs to help your body deal with you know bombardments of Wi-Fi and all sorts of other signals, and I bought the wrong size length chain, and I okay. said, "Can I swap this out?" And he goes, "Well, no, you have to send it back, return it." and then create another order. Oh, my. They, they couldn't handle, like, a swap and exchange internally on their systems. The onus was all on me to, to handle all of That's it. That's not good. And I'm going, you've completely limited your audience with this. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to handle on your back end how you, you know, return, swap, whatever, because I also had used coupons and all this other stuff. And with a new order, I was going to lose, like, this almost um, $100 discount that I got oh off of this one product. And I'm like, I will never do business with them again. It doesn't matter how good their yeah. products are. They make it too difficult. Yeah, that doesn't – I'll have to ask you one more off air who that was because it does not sound good. No, and it, it's really yeah. sad because their products are fantastic, and I've recommended mm-hmm. them for a while, but this was my first interaction with them. 
And um, I'm sitting there going, okay, so now they're going to get keep getting dinged by American Express because of all these returns and new orders being placed. So all these fees that they're hitting on the credit cards versus internally, they could have just swapped it out for a shorter one. Um, I didn't even care if they credited me back a difference or sent me a check and a price difference. You know what I mean? It was just like, mm-hmm. this, this is too long. So that ends up hitting their, their credit with their credit card providers and stuff. So we need to make things easy for people to do business with us, and we yeah, need to understand it. where people are living, breathing, working, and how they want to do business. Yes, and that was a beautiful example of the, con- the convenience-based consumer. I love that. Okay. Cool. cool. Yay! <laughs> As you know, I've struggled with this topic, Ashlyn, because it, it's so, there's so much depth to it. It is. It's multi-layered. I, um, uh, it's very multi-layered. It's very fascinating, and it's ever-evolving, so it's something that you really have to keep up with. But once you learn it, you kind of start to see it everywhere, and then you can't stop seeing it. It's, it's very fun. I actually recommend it. <laughs> Which is why you live and breathe it every day, yeah. all day. Yeah. And it is a new idea, so I'm really thankful that you're giving me the opportunity to let other people learn about it themselves. Well, what I find fascinating about it is it's new, but it's not. It's yeah. just moving faster than yeah. how it used to move. Mm-hmm. You know, marketing is marketing. It's it's targeting what you're doing, what you're selling to what people are buying at the time. It's just mm. we're moving so fast that the trends are changing so quickly. How do you keep up? That's, that's what we're going to find out in time. We have to keep going through it and experiencing it and seeing how it keeps shaping. Uh, we, have the, you know, we have the same, like you're saying, the same marketing ideals with a new platform with social media. So it's really, it's, you just have to wait and see how it goes. They can something could change tomorrow that'll change the whole game. We don't really know. It all depends on the people, what's happening, what's trending, and what's selling. So it's very uh, it's unknown for sure. But as, as so far, it seems like a really great place, and a lot of good things are happening. And like the idea of the parasite, at least it worked there. Well, thank you. I, I was shocked when I heard that it when I saw that it won because mm-hmm. I had seen all the memes, but you know what? None of them, none of the marketing that's out there about Parasite tells you anything about the movie. Yep. I, I yeah, actually had to dig deeper to find out what it was about. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's it's unbelievable how easy it is to market things if you're streaming these days. You don't even need a a, a caption or anything. But doesn't that then say, okay, you can market like hell, heck for mm-hmm. movies like Parasite or Bird Box or a product or something, but if there's not a strong product behind it, mm-hmm. then it's going to get stopped in its tracks quickly. Likely, yes. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who successfully sell um, nothing, if you will. <laughs> something that's supposed to be something but ends up being nothing. Uh, but I think those are short-lived. Uh, it, it ultimately depends on what you're selling because yeah. at the end of the day, that's our first job, right? Yeah, I keep thinking back to when I was a little kid in the 60s or 70s, whenever it was, Pet Rocks. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm not from the 60s or 70s, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Right, and everybody still knows about it. And Pretty much no matter what age you are, everybody heard about the Pet Rocks or the Chia Heads. 
mm-hmm. and and things like that that became sort of cultural icons of how you can create a product that's nothing but just based on the way you market it. Mm-hmm. It become something that made the, the owners billions of dollars yeah. <laughs> by putting a rock in a box. Yeah, it's just a rock. <laughs> but it works. I, I had one at one point somewhere along the way. I also had the, the chia heads, and, and now everybody's like, well, chia heads are really good because you can eat the chia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really good for you. It's not just this, um, you know, a head on a a thing that looks like some character. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Ashlyn, I want to make sure people know how to reach out to you in case they have questions. I'm sure they're going to have a ton of questions about this because it's a new way of thinking but yet an old way of thinking. But it's bringing it into the modern world and people have to be willing to pivot much faster. So how do they reach out to you? And this is my baby, so I'm willing to talk to anyone and everyone about this. Um, I would say I can give you a private email to post and then uh, also reach me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. It's all Ashlyn Silva, just as you saw promoted on this podcast. Send me a message. We'll have a great conversation, and I'll send you on the right way. Okay. And everybody, it's Ashlyn, A-S-H-L-Y-N, Silva, S-Z-I-L-V-A, Ashlyn Silva, anywhere out on all the social media platforms. Is there one social media platform you prefer to play with, Ashlyn? Um, LinkedIn is the easiest one to message someone on, but however you reach me, I'll get back to you. (laughs) And if people leave today's show with no other thought about culture graphics, what would you like it to be? I would like them to keep their eyes open to what's changing and also keep an open mind because I know it is difficult, but it is paying off for the companies that are beginning to follow it. How many hours a day do you spend on social media? Ooh, for me or for work? For you. For me? Oh, my goodness, maybe an hour, not even. Okay, what about for work? For work, at least a work day, like eight hours. Wow, you're on social media eight hours a day for work. Yeah, researching, finding new trends in the channel, fun things like that. (laughs) Okay, so what trends are you seeing right now? Trends that I'm seeing right now, well, 5G is a big one. That's all over uh, in good and bad. (laughs) That's a huge one. Yeah, I had a huge Um, conversation with Dave Sobel about that. (laughs) Yeah, and then also the merger was also trending. Um, Boy Scouts are trending right now. I'm not sure why on that one, but if you go on Twitter, I'm sure you can find out all about it. Um, They filed bankruptcy (laughs) because of all the sexual abuse allegations. Oh, well, there you go. We'll go read about that on Twitter because it's the top trending thing right now. So so if people look at those top – well, Twitter, how do you find the top trending things on Twitter? When you log into your Twitter, they come right up on the right-hand side of your main page. So you can't miss them. <laughs> okay. Does each social platform have that where you can see the no, top trending? specific to Twitter. Just specific to Twitter. Okay. So you log into Twitter. On the right-hand side of the screen, you can see whatever the top trending hashtags are. And then what do you do? Just and click on are, one of those? There, yeah. It, it'll take you to every – it'll take you to a page where you can scroll through all the hashtags that have been used with it. And there's also a settings option where you can – it's called trends for you and you can personalize the trends that you see to more so fit what you like so you're setting your own culture graphics yes you are oh good see i like that <laughs> i'm getting it yeah 
you know, Ashley, that's what I love about this show is if I'm struggling with something, there's somebody else that's struggling with it. If I'm excited about something, there's perhaps somebody else struggling with it, or maybe they're not yet, but they're excited about it because now they've heard it on the show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I love being able to expose my listeners to all different ideas and concepts and, and really cool people like you. Yes, I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, it's it's really great to have you here, fellow Star Wars, Game of Thrones uh, geek fan. And uh, thank you for getting Janet to finally watch The Mandalorian. Yes, finally. Which is such a brilliant... I have to train. Yeah. I train with my lightsabers, so I have to train her to do that next so we can have a nice like lightsaber duel at the next expo. Oh, my God, I got a lightsaber downstairs, too. <laughs> Okay, well, we will have a huge duel then. I thought All right. a friend, so. Mine All makes right. noises. Does yours make noises? Me too. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> All right, I mean, we just had a little bit of a side there. We totally geeked out, which is half the fun. I love when I get to meet people who really make me think differently, even when it's a struggle. And Ashlyn, oh, my God, this concept has been such a struggle for me. But now I feel like... I have a handle on it, and I have a way of stepping out differently with how I'm marketing, how I'm doing things, and, and even what interests me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it. All right. And everybody, remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking today, especially around marketing and who you are marketing to, and what are your culture graphics, do you know? Tweet them out to me at at the Laura Stewart and let me know what your culture graphics are. Have a great day, everyone, and hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today. 